Let's make it a good one, eh? I'm Don Hall, and this is the Peculiar Journeys Podcast. And welcome to the podcast. This is episode 18, Raising Kids in a Polarized World. Uh, let's get some business taken care of. Uh, www.patreon.com slash Peculiar Journeys. Give me some money. Go do the iTunes reviews. Uh, coming up this month in October, October 24th at the G-Man Tavern, 3740 North Clark, next to the Metro. We have Identity Flip, Jocks and Nerds. Uh, one of the things I like about this one was that uh, as I was talking about Jocks and Nerds, it became fairly apparent that most people assumed that I meant men. So these are all women jocks and nerds on October 24th and also on October 26th another installment of the sickest fucking stories I ever heard I'd also like to give you a shout out go to iTunes and uh, type in bug house with an exclamation point and we have a new uh, podcast for our bug house event so we've got all this kind of stuff going on you can find out all about this stuff by going to literateape.com slash events all right, so how are things going? I got to tell you, freelance lifestyle is all about the hustle. I mean, scaring up business, spending. Somebody told me that the the half the business of freelance work was creating business. So you know, I've been working on that, working on Literate Ape to build that into a genuine business out of that, and we're doing really well with that. So that's cool. Finding alternative sources of income. God, I just reapplied to substitute teach because I realized, you know what? I don't want to drive a lift, and uh, I'm not interested in teaching Chinese kids how to speak English on the internet, and I have a degree, so why not? And hey, how about that freaking Patreon campaign? Throw me a couple bucks. Anyway, that's, <laughs> that's uh, you know, ne- neither here nor there. But yeah, things are going pretty well. It's a lot of work. If you've never gone freelance, uh, it is an experience, but uh, it, it is... The freedom is really awesome. So I, I'm, I'm having a great time. Um, we're doing great lives of jazz. So my mom just had a birthday. And what's odd for me is that my 68-year-old mother is really only 16 years older than I am, which means not even a full generation that separates us. We're like half a generation. Now, the thing is, mom... Um, she had me when she was 16 years old. She had my sister when she was just a little bit older than, I think, 19 years old. And so mom was a pretty young mom uh, right out of the gate. Um, and she had it pretty hard. I mean, I mean, if you, if you meet my mom or you go online and you find her on Facebook, then what you realize is, wow, she is a really happy person and she's really a do-gooder. And I've said that before. She's an amazing human being. But as a young mom... Um, it's a struggle. Uh, she had a lot of struggles trying to, to raise two kids, uh, did not have the best taste in husbands as uh, I was growing up. And uh, so, you know, but, you know, she's always kept food on the table, worked multiple jobs, but it was a really, really hard thing to do was, I mean, it's, and, and, and quite frankly, it was a choice. You know, my mom could, she could have easily had me 
uh, aborted. Not a problem. You know, would not have no, nobody. I mean, you know, nobody would have said boo uh, because at that time, you know, I mean, granted, it, it wasn't legal. So she probably would have been in a back alley with a coat hanger. And that's a really awful thought. Um, however, it could have been done. But she chose to have me and she didn't give me up for adoption. She chose to have my sister and she didn't give her up for adoption. And she raised uh, the two of us. With some help, but a lot mostly on her own. And uh, what I can say is, I you know, as a as a as her kid, there were some periods around high school where I was a real dick because I didn't understand some of the struggles that she went through. I just didn't get it. And I mostly because I was a kid, and kids are fucking selfish all the time. Um, that uh, you just don't get it. Well, I'm 51 years old, and I totally get it now. And now I've 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 kind of gone one step further to look at that kind of stuff. So today's stories are from Jessica McLeod. Now, Jessica McLeod, I met Jessica in 1999 when I hired her to be a stage manager for a play WNEP Theater was putting on at the Victory Gardens Theater, which is uh, it's now the Greenhouse. The show at the time it was entitled Apocalypse. The Christians are right. It was 1999. And it featured sort of a winding story of Jesus coming down for the rapture, but deciding not to take anybody up and instead get a job at a local Chicago bar where he could serve drinks and talk to people because that's what Jesus liked to do. Death, famine, and war all come down but are powerless without him. So they kind of run rampant through the world, causing trouble. As a part of the show, the brilliant Keith Whipple was cast as a street preacher who stood outside the theater and preached revelations to passersby. Then he'd crash the start of the play and preach it to the audience until he was dragged off by bouncers who were also actors. I got to say, in, in, in uh, props to Keith, Keith was one committed motherfucker. He would go out there every single night, stand on the street with a little bullhorn that I gave him, a little electric bullhorn, and preach revelations to anybody and everybody. He had the police called on him. He had the aldermen called on him. He had eggs thrown at him. He had a chair thrown at him. Some guy stole his Bible. I mean, he this was not an easy gig. He knocked it out. Now, the set for Apocalypse included 25 connected and working televisions that were scattered throughout the set and hanging over the audience and all that kind of stuff. And Jessica, who I nicknamed Spanky at the time, was in charge of making sure the five VCRs were queued up and running every night. This was pre-iPad. This was pre-digital stuff. This was VCRs with VHS tapes. And she had to do all that stuff. And I mean, it. the TV stuff was scenes from the show that were additional. We ended the world at the end of the play, and that was all on video. And she was in charge of all of this, just juggling crazy. Years later, I hired Jessica to stage manage Joe Jane's 365 sketches, where we produced 365 sketches he'd written. He wrote them as a challenge. He wrote a, a sketch a day for a year that was sort of an ape of Susan Laurie Park's 365 Days, 365 Plays. And uh, so I decided that we were going to produce all 365 sketches, which meant that 
Jessica had to stage manage 26 shows, 26 directors, over 140 actors, all in two weeks at Straw Dog Theater. It was a huge success, a lot of fun, and she busted butt. Then I hired her as my assistant for WBEZ events and Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which if you've heard me tell stories about all that, that was a lot of work. There was no, there was no shirking any duties on that one. So Jessica... I've set that up. It's just no wilting flower. Okay, she's a she's a, a freaking worker bee. She gets it done. And when she chose motherhood over a working life, I knew she had the moxie. I knew she had this. She now has two beautiful children. And, you know, life has not handed her the silver platter that most associate with the privilege of being a white woman in Chicago. It's not, uh, you know, she's she's not living large. This does not, however, stop her from doing everything she can to really be the best mom that she can. It doesn't always present itself as an easy task in a, a polarized world. So uh, uh, I um, have lost and not in death, just lost because these family members are refusing to uh, let their ignorance go from their cold, dead hands. Um, so I lost a couple more family members because of me posting my uh, uh, white supremacy is terrorism poster that I made 10 years ago. And um, I had my aunt who contacted me who's like, you know, I just, I don't understand why you can't um, like what, what she first she was asking me questions about um, you know uh, well why is it okay for people to have black pride but it's not okay for us to have white pride and it's okay to have Mexican pride and blah 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 and I was like so let me break it down for you as one white person to another here's the history of our country here's you know um, and I tried to be respectful in answering her questions but pretty much are agree to disagree and not talk about things in the interest of me having any family because I don't have a lot of technical family, right? Um, but in that interest of agreeing to disagree or not talk about things so that I could have any family for my children is now done. Because I don't, if that's the kind of family that I have, I don't want them around my children who are learning. And uh, so that was something that happened actually Sunday, which is pretty you know, in, in the middle of this big change for our family, not having, you know, the, the ash around, um, going to another place for a job, and I'm here, and we're going through these all, you know, transitions. I want as many people around us and my kids as possible, because we need it right now. So it was a lot for me to say, oh, you know, you are so unwilling to even acknowledge that there's another way of being, you know, like, not being a fucking racist. My daughter was starting to have a hard time with the absence of her father. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to take us to the beach. I feel like we need to go to the beach and go have something fun and try to turn it around. And while we're at the beach, um, my daughter started playing with this group of kids. Everybody was hanging out and totally fine. And it was, a, you know, she's five and a half. So I'd say it was a combination of kids between four and like ten. And I'm sitting there with my son and uh, sitting on the beach, right? And I started to hear my daughter cry and I look over and it looks like what I assume is the dad is kind of standing over all the kids 
And immediately I think, oh, you know, the kids were doing something and he's scolding them. But I see my daughter crying. So of course I get up to go over. And as I'm walking over, now mind you, I'm on an average of two hours of sleep a night for the previous week and a half since my partner left town. So I'm on like no sleep, um, but a bunch of coffee. And I'm trying to assess the situation while I'm walking over. And I'm trying not to assume anything, but I'm also, I wanna, your first thing as a parent is always to protect your child. And I see him and he's yelling at all the kids and he's yelling for my daughter to get away from his kids that he wants this white child away from his beautiful black children. Right? And I was like, and so I'm seeing that and I'm already starting to get like, I'm seeing and hearing this and I'm like, okay, the kids all look confused. Um, what do I do with this? I, I'm not gonna yell. Things are very tense and heated in general. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to assess like, what, like pick your battles. What is this battle? And I'm trying to assess this in a really short amount of time while holding my squirming son who's trying to get away from me. And uh, so I walk over and I'm just like, you know what, let's, let's go, let's get away. And I'm just trying to get her away and not, and I'm not cowering because there's nothing to cower over. Nobody did anything wrong. The kids look confused. It's all very confusing to everybody. And the guy yells at me and he's like, get your white devil children away from my beautiful brown babies or black babies. And the only thing I could do was I quickly looked at him. I was like, sir, I am standing right in front of you. You don't need to yell at me. You don't need to yell at me. And so I got away and luckily our friends turn, turned up a few minutes later. And so we like got out of there being only 10 feet away from them or whatever. Um, and it was very confusing. Like it was confusing for my daughter. She was super upset. Um, and then she was fine with it because kids let stuff roll off their back, you know. But I'm the one who's tagging everything on because I'm the one who's actively engaged and I'm trying to teach my children how to navigate their own way in this world and not be an asshole, uh, but also not let people shit on them. Like it's, you know, uh, it's a fine balance between being an asshole and being shit on. <laughs> I mean, um, so, so I'm like, I'm shaking and then calm down and then our friends turn up and the rest of the day turned up to be fine and we ended up playing with people of every walk and color and everything else. And so it really, it really sort of rolled on, but in me, I'm like sitting there and they just kind of kept to themselves, the, the dad with his kids. And, um, you know, it, uh, the man was from Africa, like somewhere in Africa because he had an accent, but I wasn't going to try and do his accent because I don't need to. But, um, but his kids seem to speak pretty good English, but he was from Africa. And what I, I spoke to a friend of mine who is, um, Who's, who's from Africa, she's from Kenya. And I spoke to her about it because I just needed somebody who would have maybe a better understanding. And what we started talking about more, and I also spoke to a bunch of other, mainly women and moms, is what they would do in this situation, you know? And so we talked more about, you know, it's a buzzword, but toxic masculinity. And what my friend who's from Kenya was talking about was just that it wasn't really actually so much race for him as, he was yelling and he was there with his children. You were a woman who was not his wife and he's yelling and he's attaching, he's attacking the first thing that he sees, which is that you guys are lighter colored, not even knowing any of our backgrounds. You know, so talking with her and kind of expanding that idea that it wasn't just, I don't know, 
because everything is so fucking heated right now in this country and in general. Um, it was nice to have, you know, it wasn't his exact perspective because he clearly doesn't want to have a conversation. He wants to yell at people on a beach and keep his kids isolated, which they then, right, you know. So, um, so the day ended up being fine and later on, um, I'm still exhausted. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I, I had asked her about what she thought she experienced on the beach and she said, all she really came away from is she's like, I don't understand why you adults yell. Do you think none of us can hear you? <laughs> Now, we're living in times where there are just so many people with so many agendas and almost a pathological inability to express ourselves except as the, the least mature eighth graders we can be. We scream at each other on the internet. We scream at each other on the street. And with all the noise, I mean, that, that it can really be hard to kind of just kind of shut some of it down and try to hear. You know, one of the big uh, arguments uh at me, you know, and, and, and people that look like me, white males, are that we don't listen, that we're, we have an inability to listen. It's hard to listen with a lot of people screaming at you. It's just difficult. I mean, try it sometime. Go and have like six people scream their shit in your face and see if you get anything other than the fact that you're being screamed at. Now try to manage all of that and still teach your kids by example. Man, that is rough. Well, then we went on with the rest of our week and on Friday I had um, we were driving home and there was traffic building up and uh, on our just on our side street and I had gone through the intersection but I couldn't get through so I started backing up and I was blocking the crosswalk and these two younger kids um, african-american kids were wanting to walk um, across the street and I was in their way and you know I've got the kids in the car we had been at the park at seven o'clock at night so I started to back up all the windows are down because it's beautiful and I'm like, oh, hey, you know, sorry, guys, let me let me get out of your way. And this kid pounds on my car and calls me, you know, it's like, get the fuck out of my way, white bitch. And then my daughter starts crying and they started laughing. And then he takes a, a puff of his joint. And that's actually where I got confused, because I was like, how are you so mad when you like smoking a joint? <laughs> like, it's a beautiful summer day and I'm gonna back my car up and I, why? Just smoke your joint and I'll get out of your way and like why I mean I could I, I guess I can be a white bitch <laughs> but we can all be bitches um, so so then that happened it was this sort of you know the one the one on Monday and then the one on Friday that again left me being like you know but but I am as I talked with with uh, other good women of color that I are moms who I, I get to talk to about this kind of stuff because you know, they will, they're open to listening to what my experiences are too. Um, you know, they pointed out, they were like, number one, you have a Ruby Bridges book. So just, you are teaching your child about who Ruby, Ruby Bridges was. You're already setting these tones. You know, all of the, like we sort of went through just a quick sort of gambit. I was like, I know, but I said in that moment, when somebody yells something like that, and it's not about cussing because I, I'm teaching my child not to be fearful of language. Um, she knows not to call her teacher a fucking bitch, but like, even though she may feel that. But like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't shield my children from a lot of stuff, but, but I protect them. But in that moment when I'm having somebody yell something, it's like my, my wanting to protect them wants to kick in, but then my sort of social awareness and world awareness and, uh, 
you know, kicks in also. And it's like, okay, you quickly have to assess what's going on. And it's like, I just, in that moment on Friday, I wanted to yell to those kids, like, I'm an orphan of a mentally ill mother and a piece of shit father. And I've been doing this on my own since I was 10. And like, don't fucking yell at me. Don't yell at me. I'm raising, I'm raising good people. I'm doing what I can. I'm by myself now. I've had no, you know, like I want to do the whole thing. But instead, I also assessed that there's 17 year olds who are angry smoking a joint for some reason and they felt the need to hit the car and then laugh as my daughter cried because they yelled something out. Like, like quickly assess it back down to there. And so we talked about it a little bit and it's like, why were they so angry? And I'm like, because we live in a city and people get angry and they yell stuff out. And why do people poop in the alley, you know? Why do you see... Why do you see bottles of urine and you're like, oh, is that apple juice? And I had to teach you when you were three, that's not apple juice. Do not touch that bottle, please, you know. But you know what unifies all of us, everyone in the world? Donuts. I decided to take us to Stan's Donuts because I said, fuck it, let's have some donuts. And, uh... And so we go to Stan's and um, this beautiful group of younger um, African-American girls come in and they're all eating donuts and taking selfies. And my daughter was wearing her um, ballet outfit because it matches the Stan's donut pink fashion. She's very fashion forward. And so I saw my daughter watching the ladies and I could see she wanted to say something to them because I could tell she thinks that they're beautiful because she thinks women are beautiful and she loves fashion and she sees, you know, these vibrant colors and like clothes that and they look really interesting. They were all super tall. They were way taller than than me. So they like these like beautiful women. And I could tell that she was nervous, not because of the color of their skin or what we had experienced that week, but because she's five and a half and they're like 20. So anybody to it, like no five and a half year old should, should A, feel comfortable walking up to a group of people, even if they're, you know, well, I guess, especially if they have candy, you should really shouldn't just go get candy as a child. I'm trying to teach my children, right? But she was, you know, I could see her wanting to talk to them. I said, honey, I was like, do you want, do you want to say hi to those ladies? And she said she did. And I was like, okay, I'm like, let me ask if you can say hi to them. She's like, I really want to tell them that they're beautiful. And so I was like, okay, I was like, let me, let me talk to them, you know, see if they, are free because I remember being 20 and like maybe I didn't want to like maybe I just wanted to eat my donut I mean we didn't have selfies back then and taking pictures and posting everything on social media but like I could see not wanting to be like oh I'm gonna go talk to a five-year-old now while I'm out on a Saturday having some maybe drunk donuts uh but maybe not um if it were me I would have been having drunk donuts anyway so uh so I, I I just checked in it was a group of like six women and I just checked in real quick and I was like, excuse me, ladies, you know, um, my daughter loved to say hi to you. She thinks you're really beautiful. Do you mind if she says hi? And they all just lit up and they were like, oh my gosh, yes. And they immediately all turned around and my daughter was beaming and just was like, I think, you know, she was totally shy and I don't see her be shy often because she has a younger brother. And so she kind of rules the roost, especially since her father left a couple weeks ago. Um, so uh, I saw her be really shy, and but she still was like just open and honest. And she was like, "I love your clothes," and they started smiling. And she said, "I love your braids," and you know, "I love you." I, she told them that they look beautiful. And so it was this nice, really like enveloping, wonderful, loving moment, and which meant a lot to me. Um, not that it needs to, but it really meant a lot to me. And then the one woman turned to me and she said, "You're doing a good job, mom." 
when you have a partner who has to work in a different state and you're trying your hardest and you want to save the whole fucking world, not just for your kids, to, even, to have anybody say you're doing a good job, mom, means a lot. I want to thank Jessica McLeod for sharing her triad of stories with me. And I want to thank you for listening. I mean, there's an awful lot of calls for separation and fracturing of ourselves by way of injustices. I, I am a firm believer that you cannot create inclusion and unity with exclusion and uh, exclusion and creating hatred for the other with a capital O. I mean, we may be all completely fucked today, but only if we allow this toxic infantilization of one another to extend to our children. I don't have any kids, so it's not my issue, but I'm going to tell you, they're going to grow up. And they're going to take over. And if they behave like the assholes we've all become, humanity is truly doomed. Oh, what a fucking happy thought to end on, huh? <laughs> if you dig Peculiar Journey, subscribe to it on iTunes and leave me a review. It helps with the numbers. You know, recommend it to a friend. Spread it all over the internet like Candy Corner and Halloween or not because Candy Corner sucks balls. Maybe a bit of honey. I don't know. Whatever. You get the idea. All right. Next episode, in, in honor of my least favorite holiday ever. We'll have a series of scary near-death stories. So that's kind of cool and sort of Halloween-y without having to put on a fucking costume and be miserable because I hate Halloween. And maybe next episode you'll get to hear why. As a parting thought, and I'm just going to tell you this because this is something that's in my mind right now. If you find yourself getting weighed down by the news, by the world, the internet... Uh, obviously for peculiar journeys I would say go tell a story and listen to a story but what I want to say this time is before you go tell the story or listen to the story go get a massage I mean seriously go get a massage they aren't really that expensive and man ooh, I don't know if you're the type of person that likes massages but I am telling you once you do it you will never go back go get a massage with that in mind thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you in two weeks